Hi, everybody. So, wow, we have a guest. I know. This is the first time you've It's also because I just went to the gym and I felt like I made games. Okay, so now you yeah, I had to plug that in so that like everybody knows that I was at the gym. I'm joking. Okay, gym rat. Yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. Okay, before, before we I'm get on a very frat boy, I'm joking. Do you want to start introducing by your name? Ah, yes. My name is Akosia. Okay, there we go. You you just went anyways. It's fine. She's Hi everyone. <laughs> it's Ritual, and this is Michelle, and we are the Third Culture Kids. What, what? But today we have a special guest. Our first special. guest. Special. You said special. special because he's the first guest. <laughs> Why do you have to make everything? <laughs> he's he's like, like, I am special. Like, I want to be special. See, oh, just you, remember. You like just remember which host you. is your favorite when you leave this room. I think that's. I, know. Right. Oh, I think okay. his, it's it's obvious who his favorite host is, but it's okay. Anywho, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. How about we introduce him first? Ah, yes, that's on. very important. Um, we have a very esteemed member of the. Guys, let's be serious. Yeah, of the UBC alumni community. Um, he's been making numerous contributions to um, the Black community here in Vancouver um, mm-hmm. through his photography, um, social activist um, campaigns, and. Wait, I'm an actor. Videography, <laughs> podcasting, um, show. He has a show. He's been on some films. Um, the Wait, end of the show. show. What's yeah, the show is called the Unbox Show, and he has a he has he has a film film coming out, or it, it's come out, or something. You know, he'll yeah, talk it's about coming that. out. It's coming out. It hasn't come out. So guys, yeah. we do our research very very diligently no, on this podcast. I wouldn't even lie to you. <laughs> oh I don't. Okay, okay. Let's actually shift it over to the main man. Himself, yes. David Markway. Yeah. Thank you, thank applause, you. Applause. Do you have an like, applause effect? All right, all right. People expose yourself that you put it in. <laughs> <laughs> but hello, I'm happy to be here. Thank Thanks you. for having no, me. We didn't know if you were happy. I know y'all have been here. begging me. Michelle's been in my DMs for like four weeks. Just begging. David, please come on the show. So I finally decided like to, David, please. to uh, grace myself. <laughs> do you give no, us I'm just joking. I'm very happy. propaganda. We're happy that you're happy to be here. Do you want to give us a better a better intro mm-hmm. than we Love gave yourself. you? What have you been Plug doing? yourself. Talk a bit about mm-hmm. yourself so the listeners can, you know, hear a bit. Yeah. Um, so my name is David. Um, I am a photographer, videographer, filmmaker here in Vancouver. I um, work under my production business, David Marquay Productions. Ooh, and um, yeah, I just uh, do a lot of creative, interesting things. Uh, interesting to me, I, I guess, um, here. <laughs> here. Um, most recently, yes, I did uh, shoot a short film in um, here in this city. It's called In My Hair. It's um, a dramatic comedy about a a black woman who is having um, a difficult time with people wanting to touch her hair mm. all the time. So um, I was the director of photography on that, and we filmed it, I think it was August 3rd. So it's currently going through post-production and should be out hopefully in about a month. Wow. Yeah, so that is... That's the big thing that I've done lately. Other little things I do, I have, I do have my own little podcast platform. It's called Unboxed, and um, 
Sorry, I have a cold, so my voice may sound <laughs> really bad. <laughs> yeah, um, I have a show. It's called Unboxed. It's a podcast and also, um, I guess, a video. Like, it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of get a lot of, um, I get a lot of my friends together. We talk about issues. We talk about Apparently what's on our minds. Friends, okay. yeah, yeah, I was no, just going to say, warrant that's coming on, it's on okay, the unboxed. It's okay, it's okay. I'm saying this. We must not sound desperate. I have never been invited once. It's okay. It's okay. We must not sound desperate. Right. Something today. Well, I'm. This is this is my um my scouting. So you know, mm. oh. depending depending oh, okay. how this goes, um you know I might I might I might uh shoot a so an invite Just to let later. you guys know, he's got a clipboard and a pen and paper that he's just like checking things. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna see if we're gonna make it. That's right. So far, <laughs> it's not looking good. Wow. wow. Okay. Apparently, we're supposed to bring him a pizza or something. Yeah, my I had a rider. So I just want to put it out there that third culture kids does not not treat their guests Mm. to the fullest. I requested a uh, Mm. a large pizza (laughs) with um, a large Diet Pepsi. I I just have to say I was concerned about his health. So I decided not to pull through with this We are pro-health. Michelle Obama's campaign move. I would have come through with that, but no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we follow what our float has said. Also, we have a budget, uh, a, a great budget of about <laughs> 0.00 Canadian dollars. So um, I'll put a GoFundMe link in our bio. And if you guys want to contribute to David's Rider, how fun. Oh, what would you do uh, if we actually raised like a million dollars? Uh, First of believe. All, no one's going to raise a million dollars. Also, I need that money. Uh, <laughs> wait, a million dollars in which currency? Because. Let's not talk about that. Exactly. David, okay. that's shocking. Are you done? No? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Well, we cut him I'm off ready food. to go. Sorry, <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, okay when it's between us, but this is not nice, guys. Let's be no, no, okay, yeah. we're, we're behaving now. But okay. actually, David is the one who came up with the topic for today. Mm-hmm. Was, so, that? was that? Yeah. Me? Indeed, it was do you. Do you remember the topic, David? Do you want to introduce it? Or should we take the... I can try, yeah, and if it. it's bad, we'll you cut can it cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the topic that I kind of lazily sent Michelle when she asked for it um, was called Identity Guilt. I, mm-hmm. I'm calling it Identity Guilt, and it has to do with um, personal feelings that I have around my own identity. So I don't know if any of you attended the Afrocentrism conference that happened last weekend. So I was there for both days. And one of the speakers there was uh, Dr. Ngugi Wathyongo, Mm -hmm. a renowned writer, Kenyan writer. And he gave a speech on language and uh, decolonization. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he said, which stuck with me, was if you know the languages of of the world, so English, French, Spanish, whatever, and you don't know your mother tongue, that's a form of enslavement. Um, and if you know, but if you know your mother tongue and also you add on the language of the world, that's a form of empowerment. So that really stuck with me because one thing that I, you know, have uh, struggled with in my own personal um, journey is that I left my home country, Ghana, when I was 12, moved here in 2007. And let's just say my knowledge of my mother tongue is not up to par. It's mm-hmm. not perfect. 
Um, I can fake my way through a conversation with relatives, but they also know I'm faking my way through it. So yeah. if they're feeling nice, they'll let me. If not, they'll call me out. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, just, I did think about it a lot. And I think, you know, there are people who are in the situation of maybe being born in outside of their, um, I guess, their... Um, I don't know what to call it, like their their home country. country. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and they also can't speak that language, um, you know, wh- whichever language their family speaks. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, that's one aspect of identity. Language is one aspect of, you know, it's, it's, it's a multifaceted thing that makes up someone's cultural identity. So, yeah, I just wanted to, and seeing as this is a third culture podcast, I wanted to throw that to you three and see, what your thoughts were on it. I assume you're all born in... Oh. Our home countries? In, are you, in I your was home <laughs> countries? You weren't born? No, I wasn't okay. born in my... I mean, not technically for me. Yeah. Why don't you guys go into it and then I can... Oh, yeah. And I'm born, raised uh, Ghanaian. Uh, yeah, my parents are both to the most... Well, the largest extent of their... <laughs> they are largely Ghanaian. My mom is What's mixed tree? to some extent. I am a tree. Okay. Yes. But I don't speak ever. My mom, my mom is quite away, so that's I'm gonna talk about that later. Mm. Yeah, um, I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. My parents are from the same tribe. Uh, they're both Shana. I grew up in um, the Ndevele part of Zimbabwe, so to speak. So I do speak both Shana and Ndevele. Um, I think I'm the only person in my house who actually speaks Ndevele fluently. There was oh. a little, there was a little resistance on that um, part. Not. Not exactly like um, conscious, but it was there was a yeah there was quite a bit of resistance from my parents I think in learning the language, but I do speak it. Um, I left when I was seventeen, so I had time to learn this stuff. My brothers don't speak um, Shona very well. They they get away with it. Like David was saying, if the family is feeling forgiving, they get away with it. But because of that, and because of even my accent and speaking it, it's restricted um, a lot of relationships with like the grandparents and mm-hmm. quite a few members of the family who are not as anglicized, for lack of a better word, as um, we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I like how that tends to, because in my family too, I'm, I'm the youngest in my family and mm. I have the mm. worst, my language is kind of the uh, least developed, yeah. so my two older sisters are better at it than than I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so you know, true. like your younger brothers, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah my sister's yeah. emphasis yeah. on the on the first child to like, oh no, you have to be in line with traditions and the language and yeah. everything, and mm-hmm. then it kind of dwindles down after that. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say that was the opposite yeah. in my family though, because I I learned a lot of English first, and then I um caught up with Shana later mm-hmm. and even my Ndevele and my Shana I got better at them after leaving Zimbabwe ironically mm-hmm. that's when I became more defensive of my language because mm-hmm. um, like I always say I went to Ar- Armenia and most of the kids I met they were very defensive of their language so the Russian kids would always speak in Russian they would only speak in English when they were speaking to you mm-hmm. and a lot of groups are like that the Spanish kids and, yeah, even and at here. first it was irritating yeah. for me because I felt like it was a form of exclusion but at some point I realized that they were just very um, close to their culture and I wasn't so I made it a point to start speaking and a little more so I learned Nevela through Zulu kids and Saswati kids which is interesting but yeah yeah and I think like similar to Michelle my sister and I had the same upbringing in terms of us trying to learn the languages it wasn't my my parents like my mom or dad that were teaching us how to speak um she was actually um this lady that's been in our family for a while she's my dad's caretaker and then she started to take care of us Uh but I think the difference in my sister and I is that my sister um 
became sort of insecure about a lot of things um, at a point in her life where so she was insecure about her body and blah, blah, blah. But she was also insecure about speaking um, the language because like sometimes when you speak with other people that you're like, oh, your, your tree's out, not good, they'll yeah. point out mm-hmm. the mistakes and you feel sort of shy and scared. Whereas on the other hand, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this as a way to like, well, get better and like not say it with an English accent this time and stuff like yeah. that. So that was, I guess, the differential factor. I think um, for me, I, I have a younger sister as well. And I definitely, she's going to fight me on this, but yeah. I speak, so we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, look at all of us coughing. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. I was waiting. I was like, <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to be the first one to cough. No, I, I wait for the last, no, no, and then I'm fine. like, <laughs> guess um, who's going to be sick after this fight? Oh, yeah. you, you kids in it. Jesus' name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, my parents uh, moved from, they moved around, but they basically moved from India to Kenya, and then I was born there. So it's not, I still have an Indian passport, so I'm... Nation- Nationality-wise, heritage-wise, Indian, but home for me is Kenya. Yeah. Um, and I speak Hindi, but I don't pe- speak Kiswahili, which is the national language of Kenya. And that's always like a pain point for me. But when it comes to Hindi, I noticed that um, they were so intent, because we were the only people from our family in Kenya, they were so intent on making me learn English because that's what we spoke in school. So my mother tongue, my mother tongue took a backseat. And then I learned it through movies and music, and then they started speaking to me more in that. So um, it's also a huge point of pride when I come here and I can speak to other Indians in Hindi. Obviously, mine is not the best, mm-hmm. but it's there. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like when in the whole sibling dynamic of it, the in my experience, once they realize that some things are more important or, or less important after the first child, you know, the first child, maybe you want to like give them all these traditional experiences and they want to speak this and that, but then you realize that they're more important things. I don't know, maybe that kind of dwindles down. Mm. So yeah. who, who, um, I guess the question I was going to, the next question I was going to pitch, this is my podcast, by the way. <laughs> 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 That's like, Kim. I love how, like, I'm the guest. He's like, yeah, no, I'm going to tell so, you what you So, um, on the David part, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the next question I was going to uh, throw to, to you three is that who should the responsibility lie with when, you know, you do have a young generation mm-hmm. um, of people who are removed from the uh, the motherland, and you know, a lot of times they they lack the language skills. So, does that lie with them as individuals, or you know, could you look at parents, older people in the family who maybe didn't take that responsibility on? Because my my parents, I would say, they tried a little. They they kind of tried, but they also didn't. Um, where I, I feel like a lot of times the best way to learn language, your language, is to just grow up around it and, mm-hmm. you know, be in that environment and just naturally, you naturally yeah. pick it up as a child. And I, I, I know children learn languages a lot easier than adults. Yeah. Um, but growing up, I grew up around a lot of English. Um, we spoke a little bit of lang- my language is called Ga. We spoke a little bit <coughs> of that at home. But, you know, I, I still spoke a lot of English at home. And then in school, you know, official language in in Ghana is English. So I learned English, English, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I remember there are certain things, for example, even though in in Ghana the official language is English and courses are taught in English, um, they do have a lot of the tribal language, not a lot, but like it's mostly uh, a country and um, maybe Ewe sometimes. Mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, some, but then like, it's not. You never. Yeah. No, no, okay. don't worry. What are you All right. Say? Um, and then also, Ga. 
a little bit sometimes. Um, it depends on the school and if they have the teachers and mm-hmm. you know can they can afford it. So I remember in my the last school I was I was in before I came here, um, my mother took me out of the uh, tr- the con class, the tree class, and she hired a god tutor, and she. F- forced the school to accept the grades. Wow. Yeah. Um, that, and I was home. I was, I, that tutor wouldn't come to the school. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. would teach me from home, right? So that was like, but then that was, I was already, what, I was 11 by then or 12. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's not early. I like. I feel like that could have been something that could have been done earlier, For you sure. know, to help me learn. And it was just so, it was just to meet a grade. I was learning basic things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't really particularly like my tutor, but um, that's another story. <laughs> so, yeah, like, wh- where does the responsibility lie in your opinions? Yeah. I, like, oh. I, I personally think my parents, um, like, their priority was making sure I have the tools that I need for what they considered success, right? So I say what they consider success because maybe that's what's been drilled into me, but it doesn't it doesn't agree with everyone. But um, so their first point, my my dad's first point. I remember they pulled me out of a school that I started at in in grade one, so which is about six seven years old. Halfway through my second grade, they pulled me out of the school because they didn't like the English accent I was developing there. It wasn't um, English enough for them. It was more on the um, yeah, you take the accent from the person who's teaching you. So right. it was more, it was very like Nivella and there were some things that will overemphasize them. Anyway, if you know the accent, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, they wanted, uh, their, their, their first thing was to make sure that my English is on par and my grades are good. So they cared about language as far as it meant for my grades, because to my parents, academics was what I needed to liberate myself. Because that's what, for, for my dad, that's what he says liberated him. He was liberated by his education. So they were very academically focused, meaning that things like Shana, my Shana suffered for a, a while because... Um, family relationships are not always something that my my parents preached. So a lot of relationships suffered because my Shana was suffering. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't conscious of that because the things that mattered were. So I can't exactly say it's like on them. I don't think it was. It's on my parents because later on in life you have to put yourself in a position where you start thinking about the things that are important to you and where language now comes in. For me, language was became sort of like an identity. Um, an identity anchor, like mm-hmm. to say that I can speak another language was something that I was not proud of. Whereas when I was in Zimbabwe, English was all I needed to get out because mm-hmm. that was the that was the idea of elevation. If you go yeah, back to the, you, know you need, exactly. yeah, and if your accent is on par, then you know you can leave the country. And then mm-hmm. um, we have that superficial idea of come back and revolutionize. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But, but as yeah. as far as the the early stages, which was a part of your question, I I do feel that it is the responsibility of the parents or the guardians or whoever's house you're growing up in. Mm-hmm. Because for me, again, it, I, it was difficult because the society, the largest society that I was growing up in did not speak the language of my home country, right? Of my, like, mm-hmm. my, the country that gave me my heritage. So my parents did a really good job of bringing in different ways to teach us the, the language when we were young. Because as you said, when you're younger, you soak in. It's much easier for children to learn languages. So at that early stage, whatever you can teach your your child, and children can learn like three languages up to simultaneously, if I'm not mistaken, between like the early ages. So there was obviously a huge emphasis on on English. There was a huge emphasis on French because apparently we need French to succeed in the world as well. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I think to answer your question, uh, I do think it's, it's, parents' responsibility or the guardians in the early stages. Mm. Yeah. I think it's like mainly because of like countries that 
um, were under colonial rule and have their like language yeah. of instruction in a different yeah. language than what the like mother tongue would be for the like people because we're doing research about it right now and they're like the reason why Africa has had such bad like education gains and yeah. like retention rates is because um for uh, like for the first three years of like an average child back home their mm. life they are always being spoken to in their mother tongue but then they come to school where everything else like the textbooks and stuff they're supposed to be acclimatized to mm. are in like English and so you see that the children of the elite who have their parents speaking to them in English um, having conversations in English reading to them in English advance faster yeah. than um, the other children and it has nothing to do with their actual intellectual ability it just has like because later on in like in life they tend to like like tailor out if they end up catching up but if they do you get me so it has nothing to do with their mental ability or their intellectual ability but just that step up and I feel like our parents well I can say for like you Michelle and like maybe David that maybe our parents like knew that and they realized that from their own yeah from their own life and they were like well then I'm not going to make like this an issue for them let me yeah. give them the head start as much as possible yeah. but yeah. yeah that being said I think like children there are some sounds that you can't make now if you didn't make it when you were a child like because exactly. I remember my friend was like t- telling me that in Arabic you, you won't be able to make this sound yeah. if it's not in your like phonetic vocabulary like um, since you were a child or something and I like I noticed that from like the languages we speak back home as well but I'll just like to say that I think like from the earlier stages yes it does lie on the the, the kids, but if your parents didn't, it lies on your parents, but if your parents didn't teach you, there is always a way of wanting to know. Like, oh, I always yeah, cite my, sure. my granddad as an example. Like, he moved to Ghana, and because of my grandma, he learned Ewe, and I'm like Ewe, and I still don't even know my language, but this man came 30-something, learned the language, yeah, took up the language, learned everything, also for a trade, but let's not get into that. <laughs> and, like, he's he he was fluent in it until he died, and everyone was like, who is this Obroni man, like, speaking these things yeah. and stuff like that, so... Besides, there's a, there's also other forms of the culture that they like mm. really mm-hmm. pound into us. That's that true. will make things like picking up your language and things sort of easier because there's some things that you learn. Like um, I'm always saying, hospitality was something that my mom wasn't telling me that I'm teaching you this. But now there's some things that I I do right that are just reflexive, and people will say, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing that you can do that." And I'm just like, "No, this is." Because she, she she was in a way just teaching. She was she was just demonstrating what she is and teaching me herself, right? And also they were not exactly running away from Shauna in the house. Mm-hmm. So things that I needed to pick up and I were wanted there, to pick yeah. up were, were there. What I think becomes a problem is when, let's say you have parents who, are, who punish you for speaking the language. Oh, I think that becomes a problem. Because a lot of us learn from demonstration. Like I think you were saying that you just pick up the language around mm-hmm. you. So it's not, it doesn't have to be consciously taught. Like my brothers were, were never taught how to speak Shana. Mm-hmm. And I, because they spend most of the time at school, never really learned how to speak it as fully as they, um, as holy as they should. But they, they speak it. Like they know how to, mm-hmm. because it's demonstrated in the house. They were not running away from the language. So which is why I'm saying, yeah, like the, there's responsibility on your parents. But it's I think most of the responsibility from our parents is in what they demonstrate rather than what they like verbally emphasize that, oh, you need to speak your language. If they demonstrate a form of respect to their parents, mm. you also need to respect um, your grandparents in the same way. Right. Like because, uh, yeah, um, their parents yeah. would be your grandparents to respect um, 
um, your grandparents in a way is learning how to communicate with them mm -hmm. and that was a big thing for me it came on later in life when I was rational enough to realize it that if I can't speak to my grandmother in a way that she understands it's sort of me saying you're not worth my time therefore I don't have to learn how to mm -hmm. speak to you but the way my parents demonstrated respect to older people or to or just to their parents in general taught me that I need like I need to establish the same thing yeah. so yeah. that's that's what I think they're responsible for the way they behave and the things that they obey around you or the mm -hmm. things that they do but not in not in terms of saying oh you must speak the lie I don't think any oh, parent yeah, has yeah, to yeah. say that no. Let's then let's take this a, a generation further and let's throw this to David first to answer and then we can yeah. jump in. A big part of identity guilt for me is when I think of if I were to ever have children, I would want to give them a similar upbringing to the one that I had, especially in terms of the culture, tradition, the language that I learned. So is that also something that works into this identity guilt that you've you've come into contact with? Um, yeah. And I mean, I since I, I was so young when I left that I didn't have the, um, I guess, the awareness or the interest really in my identity and my background. Also mm -hmm. because I grew up in that and yeah. it was just normal for me. So I didn't understand how important it was until I left. So mm -hmm. now that I'm here, um, I have a bigger understanding and you know, that sense of urgency almost of like, I really yeah. need to learn. I had this like fantasy about um, when I would graduate, I was like, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to spend a year in Ghana <laughs> and just like mm -hmm. listen and talk to people. And my mom was like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> get a job. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to travel around like, the country. Oh, I will talk to you. I'm going to visit all the villages and talk to the chiefs and the elders oh, and, God. you know, <laughs> attend the... Uh, the, the village councils mm. and the festivals and just listen and just, just absorb all the, all the culture. I so much. I feel yeah. like these, so because both of you guys, you, even though you did leave, Michelle, you left for high school, mm -hmm. um, but you were still closely connected to your home country, Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. and you left directly from Ghana. Mm. But because I never lived in India, I resonate with that so much. I would go back every year until my grandparents were alive. Then after they passed away, it just... It financially otherwise it just didn't make so much sense to travel much more like often and so now I'm like okay when I graduate I'm gonna go back mm -hmm. I'm gonna go ask all my relatives about the stories of my grandparents <laughs> I want to go yeah. to the village we call no, it the pin so, I want to go to the pin and learn everything no the thing is why but we say people find mm. it so like oh you know what people think of that though people are always like oh look at this other white girl going to go yeah, and explore and, no, and so no, I'm like but you know why we're saying mm, though mm, it's yeah. like because there's still things I've lived in Zimbabwe for 17 years before I moved right there's still things about Zimbabwe that I don't know don't because know. I was like and it's it's natural not to know everything about your country when you are living in it because there's some things you take for granted my own I, I come from Mashringo right that's where we were originally from but I still have never been to Great Zimbabwe which is something oh, yeah. that people will travel all the way from I don't know you name it the UK to come and see that and I still haven't so the, the thing is when someone says that oh I'm from this place I'm going to go around it just sounds a little super fit because you can't your um your identity of the place should not come from all the places you've seen and the questions you've asked. It's kind of I, I think I've said this on an episode before that I think you, an identity and why some people will shun others is their struggles you go through when you're living in a country and that's sort of what gives you that but, thing. And like, now, yeah, I would yeah. like build on that and like even staying in Ghana and coming from Ghana, there were like things that I didn't have access to just mm -hmm. because of the tilt of the way I speak tree or the fact that uh -huh. I don't speak everywhere and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So my experiences are not the experiences of, of the average Ghanaian because yeah. they don't identify with True. you because you 
sound different for the, from yeah. them and because you're sounding different from them you haven't experienced the same things that you've experienced like they have experienced and so when and also the second thing i wanted to say about like just going and asking all the questions and things like that is that the great thing about your perspective is that you have the like the cultural understanding of what to do and what not to do mm. and how to approach these like these things and what is respectful mm-hmm. and you have the curi- curiosity of someone who has like never actually been in those situations so you have to pair the two and realize that maybe walking up to every single chief <laughs> is not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, still going to do <laughs> no, I think you should. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be like, I don't know him. I don't know. No, but the thing is, I don't think that when we're saying we want to go back, it's we, we're not trying to claim that identity. We're rather no. trying to understand where we came from. No, yeah. Such. And uh, what I'm trying to say is that, like, as Michelle was saying, it's not just going to the places. It's like you understand better. And I guess from your parents, what is, what is culturally acceptable and what is respect like respectable to the culture you're trying to learn and sometimes the thing that happens with people that are trying to find their identity is that we take it from an outsider perspective Uh when we don't realize that we have advent like advantageous as an insider Uh right so you can't just go and like do certain things like you have to approach it from an inside outside perspective i don't know it's very and and besides it's not every element that you should be familiar with because even um the people who grew up in must immersed in that like mm-hmm. Chachi was saying, there's like there's only one significant element of Zimbabwe that I understand, and that's the element I was raised in. From like, and it's it's from an elevator level to the point where there's some things I can't even claim, mm-hmm. and I can't even walk up to certain people and ask them questions because it's like, yeah, it's, it's just it just doesn't it's 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 insulting in a way to even um, ask, ask someone to like narrow down their experience to something that I should be able to understand in a conversation, and I've just. I think when you grow up somewhere, or even when we spend time here, we accept that the only part of our of Vancouver you need to understand for now is maybe the UBC thing. It should be the same even when you're going to somewhere where, yeah, you, you're supposed to have belonged, but like there's only a certain part you are going to understand even if you grow up your whole life. I there. think what I we're just trying to say is you should identify what part of the culture you're trying to, like identify with like mm-hmm. are you what kind of india are you going to yeah. see or well, what kind of ghana do you want to relate to? yeah because there are different ghanas yeah that's that true that's yeah. true i i think uh, it goes into a different argument of not just um cultural identity but national identity mm-hmm. and Oof. i guess with me um because one thing um upon leaving you know, something that I'm also come to terms with, the fact that I've never even traveled outside of Accra, which is like the capital. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to Kumasi, I haven't been to Cape Coast, I haven't been to other parts of Ghana, right? And so I was like, is that really something that I want to take to my grave where like I didn't go, yeah. I didn't meet anyone else in the country outside of the capital? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and so... Yeah, I, 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 that's why I, I had, I have that curiosity, and mm. you know, I just, I just wanted to, you know, if, if listen, if white anthropologists are gonna, gonna be doing that. it and going and asking these questions, I feel like someone who is yeah, from the country should. And no, well, yeah, but the thing is, what Akosi is saying is the fact that you have that insider perspective means that you need to, like, we already know that there are some things that one shouldn't exactly be asked about two some ways of approaching that you shouldn't and that's what what you should be very cautious of because it's like 
like from my experience now, right, if I hadn't grown up in Zimbabwe, I wouldn't recognize there's some... I grew up in Zimbabwe and I still, for the first 15 years of my life, didn't recognize that, that there was some um, sensitivity between the Shana and the Ndevele. And that every time I spoke in Shana to a Ndevele person in the region I was growing up in, they felt like I was looking down upon them. That took me 15 years to recognize, right? And I was living in that city my entire life. So do you see what I mean? That there's some things that if I'd gone up to a Ndevele man coming from having had lived in South Africa for my whole life, they would have been very insulted by, what, by whatever question I'm coming... Because, yes, it's coming from a point of ignorance, right? But that's something I don't even recognize being within the country. So that's... I, I think that's what I'm saying of, like, you... There's some elements of it that you should be able to understand, but also going around and asking everyone... I don't know, sitting down with <laughs> maybe, your grandparents maybe they didn't or members say from it, your though, family. The, the way yeah. it was meant to, I, Yeah, really I, I'm not, I'm not yeah, necessarily course, saying yeah. this is like a must, like everyone must do this, this little pilgrim, um, uh, pilgrimage uh, because, you know, I want to be sensitive to like different countries have their own, um, you know, ethnic... Whatever is going on within that the context um, of a country, like I, I, I'm sensitive to that and... I know, like, you know, being from Ghana, like, there's a, some sort of, it's a peaceful place, like, you know, most That's, people get along, yeah. you know, they're, they're little, little squabbles here and there, but, like, I don't, and I don't know too much about, like, um, any animosity or, like, you oh, know, okay. yeah, I know there's, like, little things that go on, but I, I don't think it's that, uh, never to the point of, like, violence oh, or, yeah, like, no, you know, outright, fine, like, yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's because we never fight hatred, fight right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm sensitive to that. I'm, I'm not saying it's something that's quiet. It's just something that I've kind of thought about personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, my perspective on it is that when you're a third culture kid, haha, <laughs> plug. Um, that Why are you, you plugging your own show? On your show. Listen, it's just, okay. Play your name. Anyways, people will either say, "Oh my gosh." he or she doesn't know anything about their culture, shame on them. Or look at this one trying to go back home to find out this and this and this. So it's like we're going to be criticized either way. Uh, my my uh, preference is to go back and to understand all these things. But as they have both, Michelle and Kosi have said, do it respectfully. I'm not going to go knock on everyone's door and be like, no, I... I need to know and I deserve to know everything. No, but like if you can start with your family and then move up from there, then why I not? I think but people are even more willing to teach like people like you that have yeah. like left mm-hmm. the, the backlash we yeah, get if we've been living. But I also even think it's a problem that I, I know more about Canada than <laughs> you know about because I went to high school here. Like mm. I, you know, studied a lot yeah. about the history and like literally a lot of a lot of the history um, of Ghana and everything has had to come from my own personal research and um, and learning. So I just, for me, like that's an issue and that's something I'm trying to um, even out. Mm-hmm. And so this is just one way that I figured would mm. would be good, you know, just to get that experience. Do you, do you know what I find interesting, right, is when you proposed um, the topic, you said guilt, you said identity guilt, right? Mm-hmm. And my, my question is, is it so bad to have... Um, grown up in a different place and had have had a different reality. Like, these are things that are beyond your control, right? Your parents did what they thought to, they needed to do to give you a better life. Or in our case, in Akosia and Ice cases, we did grow up in the country we grew up in, but without the same reality as other people maybe would have. And then the person who did grow up with the exact reality that is expected of them. But um, either way, my question is, should any of us feel guilty about the identity that we've had crafted around those 
like significant areas. Like should should I have to make an effort to be something that I don't feel like I am simply because that's what that's the idea acceptable. of what being Ghanaian mm-hmm. um, or being Zimbabwean should be. Because, for example, like Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, to be honest with you, and everyone in Zimbabwe that I've spoken to would say this, we don't have that much of an identity, <laughs> right? Like oh. we now things are coming up like, oh, yeah, Zimbabweans drink a lot. Like that's the first thing that wow. I've heard someone say <laughs> yeah, that actually identity. groups us all together. That yeah, all of a sudden people are coming up and saying Zimbabweans drink a lot. But other than that, it's it's been a it's been a huge um drawback even for our economy because when 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 things go wrong right when after after colonialism we went straight into um after colonization we went straight into a, a system where we were given subsidies right to yeah so we couldn't even um craft our identity around the economy because it was a subsidized economy so the government is giving you money the minute the government stops giving you money it means you stop producing right and that you don't you don't know when you don't get that struggle where you have to now like put in a new like economic system you don't come up with an identity because most identities i think are driven by trade or what what but that that's just my perspective Anyway, um, so Zimbabwe doesn't have much of There's an the identity. There's the econ. <laughs> yeah. No, just in case you she were wondering. <laughs> no, but you should like, have like a jar from Michelle every time she tries oh to tie something to the econ. Oh no, or philosophical. Like, yeah. it's Michelle time. It's <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Like a segment. Just make it a segment. Actually, just the other day. That, like, sometimes just create a whole new segment so <laughs> dun, she gets... Dun, dun, dun. That means your degree is working. Yeah, you know, some of us... No, but like I was called okay, out just the other day that it yeah, seems you know, like I'm deliberately putting my degree things. out there. And I was like, OK, whatever. Anyway, what I was saying is that when my own co- my country doesn't have much of an identity. Anyway, what makes an identity? That's a whole other question. Uh, but when my own country doesn't have much of an identity, and maybe that's why I haven't <laughs> exactly experienced guilt. And I told you my experience yeah. with like needing to learn Shana was more about establishing a relationship with family rather mm. than feeling like I belong to Zimbabwe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. is should guilt the right? Like, should we yeah, even justify it should be feeling a want. guilty? For example, yeah. you and David want to know these things, right? Yeah. You don't feel pressured by external forces to like. Nah, to I feel them. pressured. I don't okay, know. so that's a yeah. bad. Thing. That was not my question. No, 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 my but, but, but I, no, 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 but yeah. this is my point. I. I don't Why want do to pressure? frame it as guilt, but I, well, first of all, um, in growing up, like, again, like in my family, especially from the extended family, mm. like I used to get a lot of um, pressure from relatives, mm. or especially older relatives would be like, why can't you? Because like, all my cousins you can speak feel. our language. Like they're, mm. they're all good. And so it was just kind of that aspect. And I, I didn't meet most of my grandparents. I just knew my grandmother on my mother's side. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't talk to her. Like, you know, when I would go to um, her house, mm-hmm. I would be mute. I, I, like, I can't say anything. And she did have an issue with it, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's that aspect to it. And also, because, again, like, I spent a lot of my formative years here in Canada and, you know, around a very Western perspective, uh, Western context, mm-hmm. I have come into, you know, my own a little bit more. And I think that you know, when it comes to things like finding your purpose or finding, you know, what it is you want to do, I think you need to start from who you are and where you're from. And that's why I am kind of putting this pressure on myself. And I am I'm going to put that on my children, too. I'm going to make sure they know the language um, and I'll learn with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but um, so so that's that's and but to to tie it into like a more macro perspective, I think that. 
Um, when it comes to a law or many African countries, um, as a result of um, colonization, um, they didn't get that experience of constructing, ad, uh, you know, a, an identity, mm-hmm. and they are struggling with that. And it's resulted. I think that's tied into a lot of, you know, what's going on economically and also socially. Mm-hmm. You know, in mm-hmm. because there's a uh, there are a lot of things that are happening in African countries which are not African. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. You know. Um, things around, for example, prejudice against um, LGBTQ people that mm. that may not necessarily, you know, when you when you talk about where that comes from, is that really an African, th- you know, mm-hmm. and we can we can debate that. I know maybe that was an aspect, you know, with mm-hmm. certain so- societies and, and, and we, we don't have to get into that. But um, I think I think that 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 needs to be a process that has to happen in 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 some countries. I'll just say for Ghana, like we don't have an identity. Yeah, we really don't. Like we we just have a bunch of different um, bunch tribes. Of different tribes have yeah, there's one identity. dominant tribe, and they kind of run everything. And you know, but we we don't have an identity, and I think that's caused a lot of issues politically. For example, oh, yeah. where people just vote, you know, according to. Um, whoever is a can or whoever is uh, um, a gown, you know, yeah. from from the minority. So that's a, that's something that we need to we need to to think about. And you know, of course, people only have so much energy, and I know it's a difficult <laughs> thing to do. And I know that you know, if you just didn't grow up around it, it's it, it might be too much for someone to take on. But I think it's at least I think it at least warrants some thought. Yeah. Consideration. And I think, like, just to build up on what he said, like, the fact that our current borders and stuff like that were not created by us and, like, mm-hmm. these tribes that are now countries would not even have to add inter- like have to interact if they weren't for these borders that they didn't want is also, like, another thing that's, like, really important in us not being able to build a national identity. And even, like, outside Africa, in, like, other countries like India, for example, that are trying to exit now a new national identity, it's, like, one dominant group imposing what they feel like it's on, a, group, on a, like, yes. all the other smaller groups and stuff like that. So it's it's much, like, I guess, harder for us to even have to relate with people or tribes that, like, historically we didn't even want to relate to in the first place and, like, people feel like they're superior to or, like, all these other moving parts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And as you said, it is affecting the economy. It is affecting international relations. It's affecting so many other things as well. I just don't know if national identity is a way to solve it because I don't think there can be a national identity. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there can be... So Kenya has the same issue. There are ooh, 42 or 44 tribes. Don't quote me on this. But mm-hmm. the, the same problem, right? Every election time, you you suddenly see it go from Kenya to, oh, this is my tribe, this is my mm-hmm. tribe, this is my tribe. And then there's... there We've had post-election violence once before. It was really bad. And in India, it's so diverse as well. But the majority of the issue comes when we're talking about religion. So... Mm-hmm. It's hard. I feel like nowadays developing a national identity is more about the behaviors or the morals in general the values. of a country. The values, the values exactly, yeah. rather than what is cultural. But I also don't think that that's fully possible because then you're... Uh, it's also like... Are you sure it's I about the values, it. though? No, yeah, yeah it, I, I think it is because it comes around being your brother's keeper. And I think those, th- those will be really helpful, you know? Yeah, but you know, we have these people that like, 
basically say that yes, I have these values. Yes, I'm going to be respectful, but at the same time, I want you to respectfully understand that my opinions are better than yours. That's no. the conversation that's being like had right now. Yeah, but we're not saying that. That's the that's. I'm okay. Let me just explain to you where I was coming from. Right. Mm. What I'm trying to say is. Nations are trying to build their identity based on values. I'm not saying that everyone agrees to it, and I don't think that it's the right way. But that's because we're we're so diverse within each nation. You can't build it on anything else, right? Mm. So they've moved towards values. For example, in India, the first thing you think of, conservative values, Mm. family-oriented, you know, um, more male-dominated. And these are values that have been pushed even through our cinema. That's a course I'm taking right now is talking about how movies were used to help nation building by pushing these values through their messaging. And that's kind of the picture. Even now, the current government that we have is pushing that same narrative about being conservative, being Mm. um, kind of bringing Hindu values into national values. And that's kind of how it's going. But if they're building it on, like, values, as you said, values, like, translate across different, like, cultures and Mm -hmm. religions and things like that. So then why would they be fighting with another or like trying to impose these supposed values on groups that have or traditionally also had like male dominated, family oriented values, much like the Hindus? The problem isn't about the values being the same. It's the fact that they want the people to be them, if that makes sense. It's more of being afraid of what somebody else is doing and the fact that they are different to you. And that's the issue of xenophobia that we keep on seeing around. It's it's not a I don't think it's about a national identity. It's a it's a fear of being afraid of someone else that's different. I I think we're arguing no sorry, no just before you go on. I think we're not we're not even arguing, we're just talking about different things. I'm not saying that this is what I'm not saying that this is the right thing or what exactly they're trying to do. I'm saying the only way that people see forward instead of using culture or tribal um, tribal aspects, etc., is to just use values. But as you said, it's not translating well because even within that, there's so much diversity and there are minorities and majorities. So, yeah. No, I actually actually think the issue that most um, African countries have right now is the tribes are actually on the same page at this point, right? And majority of what puts us on the same page is what we're trying to reject, the colonial rule. Because we keep on saying that the stuff that we're doing is not African. The stuff that we're doing is not African. Oh, this is not African. It came from somewhere else. This is not. But this is the stuff that we're practicing <coughs> on a daily, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how long, how long do things have to be practiced before they're actually African? Because there's things like, for example, um, English is not African, mm. but it's spread across your continent to the point that every single one of us can communicate with each other even before coming to Canada because we all speak English. So is English still, should we still keep on saying that English is not African? Our education system is not African. It's a Western education system, but it's become so universal and it's mutually understood and it's been running our economies for so long, right? And we still like deny that it's African. Do you get what I mean? I'm I, not saying, I'm not saying that it originated from like an African mm. thing. I'm I'm not saying it's got African roots, but I'm saying there comes a point where we're only fighting a mutual identity because we don't want to admit that that's what we've become. And I think that's where the tribes are clashing on because what makes us mutual, the values you're talking about that mm. that are mutual between us, are not values that are um, that we want to say are African or rooted in Africanness, but they are the values that we now carry. Even even the idea of like. Um, I don't know, capitalist economies, for example. It's something that's recent that's that came in through colonial roots, okay, right? We had us, like okay. we had um before we had a lot of like um 
community, what is a group economics going around? You know, it was there, there was quite a bit of that, and and I'm not going to generalize, but in most in most communities, there was quite a lot of group economics through the kingdoms and na 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 na, etc. And now we want to reject, like we want to reject that and keep calling upon oh, being my brother's keeper. But that's for me personally, it's not it's not my country's identity anymore. If it was, it was a long time ago. And mm-hmm. if only they would accept that this is where we are mm-hmm. and our economics needs to be derived from that rather than from listening to what our government is saying and having fathers at the mm-hmm. top which talk us down, we would have more like more um no, not independence, more unity going on and people would be able to like yeah, mm-hmm. to interact a lot more if they accepted that. But we're running away from the things that I think, I personally think, mm-hmm. are now part of the African identity. Uh, um, are you... I'm done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm... Michelle's <laughs> econ. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I will push back on... A few, a few of your points. Mm-hmm. Um, Not one. Oh, he's been <laughs> waiting for this. I, apparently, he's like, I, I just want to say reason why I was even came onto yeah. the podcast. No, he's, he's been like, why? Okay, why aren't you saying anything triggering today? Which I'm like, yeah, no, no, because I listen to the uh, your podcast all the time, uh-huh. and a lot of times when I'm in my car and I'll be driving, I'll be listening to it, and there will be points where I'm like, I'm like responding to what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially with Michelle, because I I always disagree with her. Um, <laughs> but um, I'll I'll push back on this. English, the the issue with with what you were saying is that a lot of what has become part of, and I understand. Yes, it's become part of the African experience to know English. But um, English, in addition to the educational system, which is Western, the economic system, which is Western, uh-huh. are maintaining a certain status quo and power structure, which keeps oh, us yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's just focus on English. So, who are the people who learn English in many African countries? Uh-huh. The elite, the rich. Those people are not learning English so that they can thrive within mm-hmm. their countries. They're learning English so they can go and compete on the global stage so they can leave and, you know, amass wealth or, or, or status or whatever somewhere else. And, you know, how much of that wealth comes back and is redistributed in lo- the local economy? We don't know that. So um, I think that um, when you look at um, that aspect, that's one aspect of how, you know, colonial colonialism or, or colonization is still... Um, it's mm. still being maintained in Africa. So that's just but one thing. Do you think that's as a result of English, though? Because let's also talk about the good things about English. Yeah, without English, what would be the mutual language in Ghana? And they would choose no, but that, tree but, and then everyone would start fighting. No, and, and, but that's a, that's a question that we just don't talk about enough. And I know there was a, um, there was a movement in Ghana to remove English um, from school and to have uh, people learn in, in a... a um, a local language, mm-hmm. um, but that was scrapped. And I, I did not agree with that, I'll just say. But I think that the fact that that's not even a discussion that's being had, to me, is a problem. And I think, I know, you know, some people may say, well, it'll be pointless, but I think it would lead, it's a means to an end, and the end would be at least developing something where we're still maintaining um, local and kind of indigenous um, modes of communication um, and we're not ordering um, too much of our society around appealing to mm. the West. You know, I, I 
could you answer Tachiwa's point? I actually think it would make us more respectful of each other's cultures if we don't have English, because I'd have to learn yours and you'd have to that's learn right. mine. And that's right. We'll have to communicate, mm, yeah. mutually communicate. It's just like if you want to do um, business in Russia now, you'll learn, you'll take courses in Russian before because mm-hmm. you know they're not going to speak your English. Yeah. However, the first part of what you said, I 100% agree with that. Um, the Western systems may be what's keeping us down. Mm-hmm. However, I don't agree with the with the idea that they are keeping us down because we have a Western system. I think we're keeping ourselves down because of our refusal to just say this is where we, this is where we are. This is where we've been put. This is not where we want to be, but this is where we've been put. And now what we need to do is understand the system because I guarantee you most of the the understanding the like let's say the Zimbabwean economic dynamics they're very well understood by the people in power very very well understood because if they were not able to understand it they wouldn't be able to keep us at such a level of detriment and still benefit themselves mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. however the citizens like I said before we transitioned from a point of um, colonization straight to subsidies and then when the economy crashed and the government couldn't provide subsidies anymore people stayed down because now the government wasn't providing for you they were not feeding you anymore so you never fully understood the Western systems or whatever that you were integrated into, right? And therefore now you, you can't sustain yourself. You can't create businesses that work within that environment because, I don't know, we we don't have to accept it because it's not ours. But at some point it is ours. Like right now, my family needs to survive. The only way to survive in this like situation right now is to... Im- embrace that system and work within it right mm-hmm. and why we understand it and why we run away and come this side of the world is we've been made to understand the western system but what we don't recognize is that's what's there that's what we left behind in the countries that we did run away from and yeah there's a lot of confusion because people don't know that that's where they are and that's where i think the confusion comes from so i don't i i refuse to still sit here and blame the west for what's going on now cuz yes they're taking advantage of a lot of things but there's a lot of things that they can only take advantage of because they can they can expose them and they can take advantage of them because we're not taking advantage of them ourselves and if we were able to just say this is where we are guys and yeah, we, we don't like where we are, but we need to understand that this is where we are and maybe either change it or just work with it and rise from there. But we haven't. We're not making that decision. Yeah. All we're saying is, they did this to no, us. No, I agree with that. and I, yeah. I But I agree with the like first option that we need yeah. to agree with it and change it because certain yeah. of the systems, they just don't directly translate. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like learning different languages, that's a transaction cost that African economies cannot afford. But that's just the um, utilitarian <laughs> in me. So that's just me. But I think we, as you said, we need to like really sit down and evaluate the systems that we have when it comes yeah. to democracy, when it comes to the economy, and, and realize that things don't really work for us, and now we need to change certain elements. The thing is that these conversations are not even being held because now we are obsessed with the tribalism and then the, uh, I guess, the other things that go yeah. into who gets to benefit from the systems that and already exist. with our governments finally um, reaching into themselves and finding exactly the when, to help their people. So yeah. we are here obsessing over yeah. who's benefi- benefiting from the systems that shouldn't even be existing in the first yeah. place or should be existing in a different way. I don't know. Uh, will I, we I ever change questions? I remember having a phone questions. call with my mom and she was ranting. She's always ranting about what's going on Same in Zimbabwe. Though. And I get a little impatient sometimes. So the other day she was talking about how, yeah, these people are eating our money and no, no, no. And I was like, 
So I, it, it's very, even when I say it here, it's going to sound very cruel and rude, but mm. what, all I asked her is, what are they eating, right? Like, mm. if you were to list the things that they're benefiting from, like, what are they doing? They're driving fancy cars, they're eating at restaurants. So why not be the person selling the fancy cars in the restaurants? That's what my that dad says, them? and then my mom rants, but it's okay. Yeah, and, and it starts there. Like, it's, it's sort of like a Robin Hood type system mm. where you're like, you're gaining money from that. And yeah, it's a very idealistic idea to have that a person's still going to have a pure heart and whatnot. Mm. But you need to you need to set something that grounds you, whether it's mm. a group of people that you know you need to report to. But you need to feed yourself and to understand. It, it comes back to what David was saying earlier, that for him to create an identity, he needed to like understand himself first. You need to, even if you're trying to develop yourself, you need to understand yourself first and where you come from. We don't understand what our countries are right now. This is where we're coming from. Where we came from before, where we were when our ancestors were there. It's a great thing. It's a very romantic story to talk about. That's, <laughs> but that's not our reality. That's not where we are. So we need to fully understand that too I, for, our, for the sake of our progress. I don't uh, think that anyone is saying that that's currently our reality. And I, so I agree with both of you on two different counts. That one, we can't continue to blame the West but we can acknowledge their fault in a lot of what is going on. I don't yeah. think that if we had stronger, powerful, more educated leaders in some instances, we, we would no, be I much more. I think we're very educated. No, I think we do. I think for your own country. No, I think I think no, I think I think your own politics. No, listen, very, I would say they're different. educated, but I'd say their interests are different from what they're revealing. Exactly. Okay, fine. So that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's put it that way to make it nicer even though I know <laughs> some, nice. some no, no, politicians no, no, don't even have university degrees but anyway, I have no, degrees she's talking she's talking about her own country okay yeah, coming for your country ah, but okay. anyways I think decorum please <laughs> yeah, decorum. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very happy resident of the happy medium as we all established I just think I think that there's a lot to be said for the hand that the colonial forces had in where we are today as a country, but there's also uh, a lot to be said of our current uh, governmental structures and politicians as to why we're not able to get out of that rut right now. Mm. But I think what we I also have to recognize... But okay. <laughs> sure. I think what we also have to recognize is that a lot of what you were saying, for example, that example of, um, oh, why don't we be the people who are doing, the, who are selling the cars and making those restaurants and et cetera, et cetera. We have, is that, that's thinking more from a personal point of view rather than a collective I national point of view. No, no, no. But yeah, and that was wrong. my, that was no, my. No, but, that's, but the idea, you know this idea that I need to, like, my community needs no, to rise at the same pace. Wrong. It's I'm so, just, like, it's no, not real, I'm, realistic. I'm, that's exactly, I'm not saying yeah. that it's wrong. And it comes down to what we had spoken about in our first mm -hmm. episode where we were, like, individualistic versus collective. So I'm saying it's not wrong, but we can't be the same people sitting here 10 years from now and saying, oh, but our country didn't advance. But no, that's no, no, but that's just why I say you need to find school. something that grounds you back to like the purpose of it. So be it like Jay Z is always talking about how you need to poli uh, like politic yourself, right? Mm. Jay Z is a person who he raised himself up. Like when when he was raising himself, he wasn't dragging his community along with him. It it got to a point where he was like, look, my community needs. My community needs me, and that's what's grounded him. He needs to keep coming back. Be it Oprah opened a school, maybe that's that's what's that's her grounding force. That no matter how much money I make, I still need to recognize that these girls need money. Mm. So all I'm saying is 
find your grounding force. For some people, it's simply their family. Some people yeah. just keep it small. And from a group perspective, but, you'd probably, yeah. like, if as an individual, if you're trying to, like, be the ones that's selling the cars and blah, 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 you're going to create your own sub-economy mm-hmm. and employ people and develop them as well. I think yeah. that's what's happening right now in Ghana. Like, there's a new wave that's, of, like, yeah. I guess, new businesses that are forgetting that the government is not going to give you handouts and benefits and employment benefits and, like, giving those people the benefits themselves. Mm. And yeah. I guess yeah. it's working. So. Yeah, and I, I think... I think it, it it could come down to like you were saying, individual versus collective. Where, um, yes, I understand. Like on the individual level, it's difficult to go through that in terms of, you know, emphasizing your identity. If you were to say, "I'm not going to learn English and I'm just going to learn," you know, hold on to my own language, and and it it, it will be hard. It mm-hmm. would just realistically, it will be hard for you to make your way. But I think that. We just need to think about this on a collective level in terms of what can we do to build some level of capital, to be able to compete. Because the current system is, is, is Western-dominated. And as it is, and I'm, I'm, I'm not blaming the West for where Africa is. I'm just saying that... It's a little... Yes, I mean, I you know, it's a conspiracy, but okay. I'm not saying the West has their fingers in what's going on. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the U.S. runs military exercises in African countries. I'm not I'm saying not any saying of that. that. I'm not oh saying my God. any of that. We're not saying that the CIA was involved in the first coup d'etat. No, mm. we would never say that. What I'm saying is... What I'm saying is... <laughs> I, I forgot. Um, Yo, that, that no, okay. For this. <laughs> Yo, no, 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 no. Let, let, me, let me, before I forget my point. Um, mm-hmm. what, what I'm saying is that um, the system as it is on a collective level, we will never compete within the system. We just won't yeah. if we're playing by these rules on the collective level. On the individual level, you can find your way to, to build your wealth. You can find your way to, you know, we have, there are people of African descent in positions of prominence. You know, that's a, that's a real thing. Um, but on, on a collective level, on a more macro level, until we start thinking about ways that we can reach into our own selves in terms of who we are, what our resources are, how we can put that together. And I know it's difficult, but I just I just want to see more people talking about it and thinking about it and developing, you know, plans around it. We would we just won't compete because in, in we're way too, we're way too far behind. And um, as it is. We, we have to jump through a lot of hoops and we have to hope that the, peop- uh, the, the, the countries and the structures that have been created are going to allow us to even reach that point. And mm-hmm. the fact that we have to count on that to happen tells me that it won't happen. So mm-hmm. that's well, my point. I have to close well, this because, yo, we've been talking for a good minute. Yeah, I was just going to say that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're going to stop on that and we're going to say, well, that is it. Well, yeah, to give a better, before we mm-hmm. fully, fully conclude, first of all, obviously, thank you, David, thank for you. joining us. Thanks this for was, having This me. was really insightful. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Plug yourself. Mm. <laughs> where can yes. Not your physical location. Where is David Where is David Where am I at? I'm on Instagram um, at Dave, Dave Dreams 57 um, I'm on Twitter at Dave's World 57 and, it's uh, my world. You're all living in it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just keep right. it as my podcast. Um, yeah, but you know, just mostly Instagram. 
um, you can find me there. And uh, check out Unboxed. We're, we're, we've been on a break, but um, we're, we'll be coming back with hopefully some interesting content. And uh, you <coughs> might, and a feature you of might, <laughs> yes, yes, you might uh, see your favorite, <laughs> your favorite ho- hosts on, on that I show. I might as just well. reject this invitation. Wow. Hey. Wow. <laughs> well, you, can't, you cannot reject something that hasn't been. <laughs> Anyway, okay, but for our listeners, we'll um, add all of his ads mm-hmm. to our bio for this episode mm-hmm. and we'll also share the unboxed on our Instagram stories. Indeed this we serves will. as a note for me to do that. Uh, um, <laughs> it's like a <laughs> voice note. Yeah, yeah. Voice Remind note. Lewis Lint. <laughs> um, oh, Lewis. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm behind on this. Uh, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been Ritual. Oh, okay. It's been Akosia. And it's been Michelle. And, and we oh. are the third culture kids. Oh, sorry. Oh, and David. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we are the third culture kids plus one, plus another third culture kid. Yeah. And remember yeah, to right. rate us, please, on all of your streaming platforms. Share us, share us, share us. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell the whole village. And the coconut seller. And the coconut seller. And yeah, uh, be back for the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm.